Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. So excited to have you here with us for today's show. On today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils, we've got Mailbag Monday coming up where we're going to answer all of the questions that you've got in the world of Duke Athletics at this portion of the season. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcast as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Be sure to also subscribe to our Lockdown Blue Devils YouTube page so that you can watch the show daily. Thank you for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen every single day. As we get going here in today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils, as I said, it is a mailbag Monday. Your questions were answered. Thank you so much for sending them in, LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com, or by sending us a direct message on Twitter or sending us just a tweet of any variety at LO underscore Blue Devils. Happy to be able to answer those questions for you. So let's dive right into today's show. First question in the mailbag that we got today comes from Joe. Joe wrote in and asked, which Duke men's basketball player will be drafted after Paulo Bancaro in the 2022 NBA draft? Well, Joe, the answer to that, in my opinion, is A.J. Griffin. And if you ask anybody that in NBA circles, I think they're going to tell you A.J. Griffin as well. He's the second guy slotted, a lottery guy. Most people have A.J. taken within the first eight picks. By pick number eight, a lot of draft experts have A.J. Griffin off the board. Again, one of the top recruits, top freshmen this season for the Blue Devils comes from an NBA family as his dad is an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors. A.J. Griffin played in 39 games this year. He shot 44.7% from three-point range. That's one of the best deals that you'll see in the draft this season. One of the bigger reasons why teams are so excited about A.J. 49.3% shooting from the floor, 79.2% shooting from the free throw line. A.J. appeared in 39 games, 10.4 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game. As Griffin is six foot six, 222 pounds out of White Plains, New York. I think Mark Williams will be the guy right after A.J. Griffin. I think Mark Williams, as we're seeing trending lately, Williams is a lottery pick as well, it appears, for the Duke men's basketball team. But A.J. Griffin, I think, will be the guy drafted after Paulo in the 2022 NBA draft. Again, that question came from Joe. Joe, I appreciate you reaching out and asking that one. All right, Patrick sent us a question. Patrick writes, what is your expectation for the final record in year one in the Mike Elko era of Duke football? This is a fun question here from Patrick. I love football. It's that time of year coming up this Saturday, the Duke football spring game. We're going to have a lot of questions answered. At the end of the day, it is still a spring game. However, I don't know how much you're going to be able to take from it. But if I have to give an expectation, year one, sort of what I'm thinking, I want to say five and seven. Like, I want to see this Duke team be competitive in several games, maybe win a few ACC games. I think their non-conference schedule is very favorable this season. You look at the last three years, Duke was three and nine this past season, 0 and eight in the ACC. In 2020, they were two and nine, one and nine in the conference. In 2019, Duke was five and seven, 
three and five in the league. In 2020, the only two wins for Duke that season were against Charlotte, and then they won one ACC game at Syracuse by a score of 38 to 24. Last year, Duke went winless in the ACC in David Cutcliffe's final season. The three wins for Duke last year were North Carolina A&T, Northwestern, Kansas. And then their closest game in ACC competition was at home against Georgia Tech when Duke lost by a score of 31-27. to Elko's coming from Texas A&M. He's been at Notre Dame. He played at Penn. I mean, this is a, a really good football coach, and he's been around programs that have high academic values and, and want to do well in the classroom. And so I do think Elko's bringing this new life, this new energy into the program. I think they're going to be a whole lot of fun to watch in this first season. And so if I'm putting expectations out there, I want to expect five and seven. Like that's still sub 500. You're still really not going to a bowl game with that record, but that's a good step forward. That's a sign of a program that could be built and to come. And that puts you in position for those awesome eight and four, nine and three seasons that uh, would do a lot at Duke. If he got this to be a double digit winning football team, like, oh my gosh, those are high dreams, high aspirations for Duke football. So you got to start somewhere. Year one, let's try to get to five and seven if I'm setting the expectations. Patrick, thank you for that question. Locked on Blue Devils Mailbag Monday. Arthur wrote a question in. Do you have more confidence right now in Duke baseball or Duke softball? I know when March Madness comes around, we're really focused on the men's basketball side of things. Haven't been talking spring ball much at all with Duke football. Really haven't talked a lot about baseball or softball. As I mentioned, I had the pleasure of going up to Atlanta a few weeks back and was able to be the play-by-play commentator on the ACC Network Extra for a Duke softball game against Georgia Tech. Really loved what I saw out of that Duke team. This Duke team on the softball diamond is loaded, so much so that Duke softball is 32-5 and on the season, 14-2 and in the league. Complete opposite story for Duke baseball this year. Duke baseball 13-19 and overall, 3-12 and in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Currently, Duke baseball is last in the Coastal Division. They were swept by Wake Forest this past weekend on the road in Winston-Salem. And Duke baseball is last in the ACC with a 243 batting average. Keep in mind, this past year, the last season that was concluded, both Duke baseball and Duke softball won ACC championships. So I really like the question from Arthur because it is something to sort of sit there and think about how are these teams doing following their ACC title seasons. Duke softball, I've got way more confidence in them, though, as they're 32-5, and 14-2 in the league. As I said, that's good for second in the ACC behind Virginia Tech at 13-1, and one, where you see baseball in the Atlantic Coast Conference still be divided by divisions. Softball, everybody is together, and Duke is second in the entire league. The Duke softball team currently riding a nine-game winning streak. This past weekend, they swept the Cavaliers at Virginia. They've got uh, two series left in the league this season at Syracuse and then a home series versus Pittsburgh. And you want to talk about Duke baseball being last in the ACC in batting average? Well, Duke softball is first in batting average in the ACC. Duke softball, as a team, has a 335 batting average, good for first in the league. That's uh, really, really impressive. So, yeah, who do I have more confidence in? The answer, Duke softball. Let's take a quick timeout. Coming up, I've got more questions on Coach K's final year, the NBA draft, what's coming up next, and some more Duke football talk here on Locked On Blue Devils. Today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils here on this Monday. It's April 11th, 2022. 
Our show today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is so amazing. I love it. It helps me start my day each and every day. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high in protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. They're so much better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You're making a really good decision when you incorporate Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Moving forward here today on our edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Again, my name is JJ Jackson, your host of this podcast. More questions. Gabby sent us a question. Again, if you have any questions, I can pile them together. And then uh, every few weeks in the offseason for Duke basketball, I love going through and answering your questions. Gabby asks, what do you think was the best game Duke played in Coach K's last season? Uh, I think the one game that comes to mind for me was the win at UNC for Duke. They won by 20 over the Tar Heels. You do not see that too often in the series. Duke dominated from start to finish, a wire-to-wire victory for the Blue Devils. They were led in scoring by A.J. Griffin, who had 27 points. It's Coach K's last trip to the Dean Dome, and so much is made going into the game. Is Carolina going to honor him in any form or fashion? And we know how the year ended. We know that North Carolina won the last game at Indoor Stadium, and then they beat Duke in the Final Four. North Carolina was the very first school to defeat Coach K in 1980. They were the final school to defeat him in his career at Duke here in 2022. So looking back on it, that's just awesome to think about the win that Duke had. And then you want to talk about dominance. Duke won the rebounding battle in that game. And this is the North Carolina Tar Heels who year in, year out, always, always, always pride themselves on the ability to rebound the basketball. Duke won the rebounding battle on that day in Chapel Hill, 40 to 24, dominated the Tar Heels on the boards. And as I said, one by 20. I think that would be the best game that Duke played in Coach K's last season. Appreciate the question, Gabby. Bruce sent in a question next. Bruce asks, of the five potential first-round picks in the 2022 NBA draft on the Duke team, who is most likely to return to school next season? Bruce, I think there are two options here. I think it's Wendell Moore Jr. or Trevor Keels. As I was asked earlier, Paulo's for sure gone. Paulo is going to be a top three pick in this year's NBA draft. I also think A.J. Griffin is a surefire lottery pick, and it seems as though the consensus is that Duke center Mark Williams is going to be a lottery selection as well. We've seen first-round projections throughout the year for Wendell Moore Jr. and Trevor Keels. Not as many people all agree that those two guys will be first-round picks going into this year's draft, but it's Wendell Moore Jr. and Trevor Keels that I think are most likely to return next season. Wendell, again, 6'5", 213. He averaged 13.4 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 50% from the floor, 41.3% from three, and 80.5% from the free throw line. Trevor Keels, 11.5 points per game, 3.4 rebounds per game, 2.7 assists, 41% shooting from the floor, 31.2% from three-point range, and 67% from the free throw line. Keels, of course, six foot four. 221 pounds. I think there are a couple of different ways to look at it. It's, it could be Wendell Moore Jr. most likely to return because he is a junior. That means next season would be a senior year. He's got one year left. He does have that COVID year, although I do not see like 
Get that out of your head. There's no chance when Dunmore plays two more seasons. For Duke men's basketball, the way they're recruiting and the way he wants to move forward in his basketball career. So it could be like, hey, Wendell, you're almost to the finish line. Come back, go one more year at school, have your senior night, do all that for Duke basketball, and be remembered as one of those great four-year players for Duke. That's one way to look at it. And then from the Trevor Keels perspective, look, he came onto the scene really high. 25 points in the first game of the season against Kentucky, the big win for Duke. And then there was inconsistent play uh, throughout the large portion of the season. Duke was undefeated in games where Trevor Keel scored 13 or more points until the final four game. Trevor scored 18 and Duke lost. That was the first game of the season when they got a large scoring number from Trevor and were not able to win. But at 31.2% shooting from three-point range, Trevor Keels is a better shooter than that. And NBA teams definitely want to see that if that begins to hurt his stock, if those reports start to come back. I think there's true value in bringing Keels back for another season. All signs seem to indicate that Jeremy Roach will come back for his junior year, and we know that Keels and Jeremy Roach played at St. Paul the Sixth High School together, and so for them to get two seasons of playing college basketball, that would be a fun storyline to watch. I do think there's room for Trevor Keels to improve his stock. Wendell Moore Jr., as much as you would love to see him back in a Duke uniform for the fourth season, I don't know that his stock gets much higher than it is. I asked Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on our show just last week. You can listen to that wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. I said, look, if we're looking five years down the line, if you're having a bet on one of the NBA careers between Wendell Moore Jr. and Trevor Keels, we're both in agreement that it is Keels. He's younger, so he's got opportunity there to continue to improve, and I just think he's going to be a better player at the next level. That being said, I truly do believe he could benefit from another year uh, in college basketball. Uh, I, I think ultimately both guys do end up leaving. But as Bruce asked, of the potential five first-round picks, who is most likely to return next season? I think I'm going to lock in Trevor Keels. Appreciate that question. All right, Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on Blue Devils. Uh, just a few more questions to go. We'll answer those in just a moment. Today's edition of our show is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Final few moments here today of Locked On Blue Devils. Again, J.J. Jackson here with you. If you're listening to us on a podcast app, particularly the Apple Podcast platform, I would greatly appreciate you leaving us a five-star rating and review. It's been a little bit since I've had Five Star Friday, but if you write out a written review, I give you a Five Star Friday shout-out on this very show. So take the time to do that so I can give you some love by leaving us that five-star rating and review. It would mean a whole lot. All right. I got a question on Twitter from Devil in a Blue Dress. I love that. That's so creative, a Duke fan through and through. So Devil in a Blue Dress sent me a message. What is the latest in the world of Duke men's basketball recruiting? Thursday and Friday last week were huge for Duke as they added two more five stars to their class of 2023. Tyrese Proctor on Thursday, a 2023 Australian point guard from Sydney, uh, announced his commitment from Duke. He posted a video saying he's excited to join the greatest hoops fam in the game. He's going to be, get this, 
15,492 kilometers from his hometown when he comes to play for Duke basketball. The most recent Australia Duke basketball player was Jack White, and we all adore Jack White. With all respect due to Jack White, Tyrese Proctor is a much better prospect. He's the number one international prospect. As soon as he committed to Duke, you saw him get the high four-star five, five, or excuse me, low five-star rating. It's going to continue to grow as he moves forward this next season. He chose Duke over the G League, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Arizona, and Arizona State. So, so thrilled to see Tyrese Proctor join the Brotherhood. That's a big-time pickup for John Shire. Friday, Mackenzie Baco committed to Duke basketball. The six-foot-eight forward, he's number three in the entire class. He's the number one small forward in the country out of New Jersey. In the Nike EYBL circuit most recently, Baco's averaged 16 points per game, four rebounds per game. He chose Duke over Kentucky, Memphis, Ohio State were his final four. Uh, again, five five stars right now in the 2023 class for John Shire. He is way ahead of the game. I saw a stat that nine players in the class of 2023, five stars, have committed to college. Five of them are going to go play at Duke. You're talking about Caleb Foster, Sean Stewart, Jared McCain, Tyrese Proctor, and Mackenzie Baco. Great job for John Shire, and that's the latest in the Duke men's basketball recruiting world. Thanks for the question, Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, Brooks sent me a question. What's the update on the quarterback battle for the Blue Devils? Well, quarterback battle mainly down to two guys. You've got Riley Leonard and Jordan Moore. Both guys are going into their sophomore season. Leonard, six foot four out of Fairhope, Alabama. Jordan Moore, six foot two sophomore out of Sykesville, Maryland. Of the two, Leonard, more of your pocket passer, so to say, although can use his legs a good bit. And Jordan Moore is more of your dual threat run first quarterback. Last season, Riley Leonard appeared in six games for Duke. He was 37 of 62, 59.7% completion, two touchdowns, one INT, 381 yards through the year. Jordan Moore played in 10 games. Duke had some running packages for him as he had 44 rush attempts on the season, 221 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. He was 9 of 19 passing through the year for 95 yards, one passing touchdown, 47.4% completion. So just in the sample size a season ago, you could see there Riley Leonard was the more accurate passer of the two. Luka Diamond did go into this spring uh, in that mix as well, another sophomore, but we've seen the reports that uh, it looks like he's moved to wide receiver. So the latest update from the quarterback battle seems to be those two guys, Riley Leonard and Jordan Moore. Good question, Brooks. Uh, Ryan sent a question. How do you balance expectations for John Shiner, given that he is a first-time head coach but has a tremendous recruiting class? Really good question because you look at the last two coaches for Duke. I did this research. Mike Krzyzewski, in his first season leading the Duke Blue Devils, 1980-1981, he went 17-13. and Duke went 6-8 and in the ACC, and they made it to the NIT quarterfinals. Bill Foster was the head coach of Duke before Coach K. And in Bill Foster's first season in 1974-1975, he went 13-13, and 2-10 and in the league. So Coach K just four games over 500 in his first season. Bill Foster was an even 500 in his first year. Year four of the Bill Foster era, Duke made it all the way to the NCAA title game but lost the championship to Kentucky. His last season as Duke, 
He made it to the Elite Eight with the Duke basketball team. Crazy story that's been reported uh, over the past few months about Coach K's final season, about the Duke athletic director saying at the time to Bill Foster, look, basketball is just not going to be in a position to make money. I'm not going to give you as much money as the University of South Carolina is offering you. Probably best you go ahead and take that job. He did. And, uh, yeah, Coach K, how ironic, Coach K takes over the program. Because Bill Foster left, the team literally went to the Elite Eight the year before Coach K started. And Coach K ended his career as the wealthiest head coach in college hoops history. So um, just a, uh, a bad shot there from uh, former athletic director uh, Tom Butters there for Duke. Um, so I, I think in terms of balancing expectations for John Shire, given that he is a first-time head coach, and has a tremendous recruiting class. I think it's fair to have the highest of expectations because the program was sustained. That run by Bill Foster was over a six-year period. Yes, in year four, they made it to the title game. Year six, you're in the Elite Eight. Coach K made it to 13 Final Fours over 42 years, more Final Fours than anyone ever. And the way Duke has been recruiting over the past decade, we're already seeing it in John Shire's first two recruiting classes. We know He's respected as an X's and O's guys, and now we're going to get to see that. So in terms of balancing expectations, I don't know necessarily that you've got to alter them that much at all. Duke is still going to be a player in the world of college hoops, and when you've got the best recruiting classes, you put yourself to have the most talent on your roster each and every year, and I think expectations should be on the higher end of things. Thanks for the question, Ryan. Last question today, this Mailbag Monday edition of Locked on Blue Devils comes from Christina. Christina asks, what's the latest in John Shire's first staff coming together? Well, uh, we've got Chris Carrawell, of course, who's coming back. On Monday, today, Nolan Smith was officially introduced at Louisville as their associate head coach on Kenny Payne's staff. So he's going to Louisville to stay in the ACC, joining the program where his dad won the national championship in 1980, starring for the Louisville Cardinals. Now Nolan Smith goes to join Kenny Payne's staff. Mike Schrage was introduced last week as a member on Duke's staff. We talked about this with Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation last week on the show, and uh, he was introduced as a special assistant to the head coach. So he didn't even take an assistant coach spot. There are two openings still left for John Shire. Schrage had nine seasons previously at Duke as an academic advisor in the program and then took over as the director of basketball operations. Eight seasons at Stanford as an assistant coach on Johnny Dawkins' staff. One season at Butler as an assistant with Chris Holtman. And then he followed Chris Holtman to Ohio State, where he was at Ohio State for two seasons as an assistant coach. In the last three years, Mike Schrage has been serving as the head coach of Elon Basketball. I think the two candidates, Emil Jefferson, seems very likely and in position to be promoted to a full-time assistant coach which kind of fills in that void of a, a younger coach that's really going to excel recruiting, I think, if you're talking about Emil Jefferson. And then, uh, yeah, Wojo's name is out there a good bit. Steve Wojohowski, the former Duke associate head coach, he played for Duke under Coach K, as we know, in the mid-'90s. He was the head coach at Marquette for a number of years. I think it I wouldn't be surprised if Wojo comes to join the staff. I think it would be great, the experience that he's going to have as a head coach himself to kind of be there and, uh, be sort of a, a, a sounding board for Coach Shire and that sort of thing. Not that John's going to need anything like that, but uh, I think the other experience as a Duke associate head coach would be awesome to get Wojo back and 
recruiting for the Brotherhood, I think that'd be big. And if any other name pops up, I'm sure uh, Coach Shire's going to make an awesome decision, and I can't wait to find out what it is and, and to uh, see how the Duke program continues to move forward. That does it for today's edition of our show, another good edition of Mailbag Monday. Thank you again to everybody who sent in questions today. Again, we got them from Joe, Patrick, Arthur, Gabby, Bruce, Devil in a Blue Dress, Brooks, Ryan, and Christina. So grateful to hear from all you guys. If you have a question that you want answered, send it our way. Email LockedOnBlueDevils at gmail.com uh, on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can connect with me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Locked On Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Now check out the Locked On Hornets podcast. Let me give some shout-out to the Charlotte Hornets. Here in our state of North Carolina, the Hornets qualify for the NBA play-in game a little bit later this week. Go listen to what they're saying right now. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.